Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Go with me to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. I want to read the words of Jesus as He found Himself on the precipice of the crucifixion and then being uh, ascended into heaven. He had some important things to articulate and to talk about with His disciples and for disciples and followers of Jesus uh, forever until He returns again. And John 16 speaks to us from verse 1 and, and Jesus says this, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to Him who sent me, being the Father. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, everybody say the Helper. The Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. And when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Often we want God to tell us everything about our lives and our future. But have you stopped to ponder and consider you may not be ready for what He's about to tell you? I've discovered that you'll receive a word, you'll get a word at the right time and the right way and the right circumstance. And, and sometimes we want God to speak to us from someone from the platform or some great dramatic prophetic word. And sometimes like tonight, that happens for individuals. But I'm telling you, the Spirit of God is here to speak to every single person in this room today through His Word, both the Rhema and Logos Word, but also into your own spirit as you receive of this Word today. The Helper, if I don't go away, Jesus said, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. I've already read that. Let's keep going. But when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for He will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that He will take what is mine and declare it to you. Tonight, I wanna speak to you on the subject, the helper. The helper. I remember when I was, uh, five years of age as a little boy when I first started school at South Kalgoorlie Primary School in Western Australia. 
Mum and dad were pastoring a church there and they just started and basically they were uh, replanting, pioneering a church that only had oh, about 12 to 15 people when we got there. And we saw over three years that church grow and multiple hundreds of people and, uh, and Holy Spirit baptism, salvation, great moves of God. But I started primary school at South Kalgoorlie Primary School. And for several weeks, every lunchtime, I would go to the school fence and I would actually sit there and cry, true story, and wait for my mum and dad to come and pick me up from school. I didn't understand, Dad just said sorry. I didn't understand. I didn't understand that there were teachers at the school that were there to help me. My parents were working at the church around the corner and our house was like a manse connected to the, the, the local church there. And they literally were around the corner. There was help all around me. There were uh, school friends who were wanting to be my mate, wanting to be friends, but I felt so abandoned. And so I would go to the basketball court on the school fence line and sit there for several weeks. Maybe that's why I've got a few issues and, and, and stay there. And then I just felt so abandoned. And I, as I began to think about Jesus' words to the disciples, I kind of think that there are many people that approach their relationship with God in the same way. They feel abandoned by God or they feel abandoned to follow Jesus by themselves and work out life in their own strength. And Jesus speaks to the disciples and He's talking to them about what is about to happen. This must have been how the disciples felt as Jesus talked about His impending departure. And then it just goes from bad to worse as Jesus starts to talk about persecution coming and hatred of the world coming. And right about now, the disciples are like, this is not good news. This is all bad news. Is there any good news? And Jesus starts to speak about how both He and the Father are about to send the helper, not just any helper, not, not just like a, a personal assistant, not just someone who'll come and look after your house for you, but the ultimate helper, the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in verse one, I've said these things to you to keep you from falling away. I take great courage in the fact that Jesus hasn't called me to follow Him nor fulfill the Great Commission and left me to my own resources. Is anybody awake here tonight? Jesus has not called you. He's not given you gifts and graces and abilities. He's not appointed you and left you without the anointing, without the helper, without the resource, without the substance, without the grace that you need to do what God has called you to do. In fact, Jesus knew it was so impossible to follow Him without the Helper that He said to the disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, don't you dare leave Jerusalem until you've received the promise of the Father. Don't leave home without the Helper. Don't leave this house tonight without the fullness of the Helper in your heart and in your life. So often many of us are doing life on our own. And you can even be a part of a covenant family like Numa Church, be a part of the body of Christ and yet be doing life in isolation. 
Be trying to follow Jesus in your own strength. Be trying to do what God has called you to do in a hostile work environment, in your own grace, in your own ability. I'm here to tell you tonight that the helper is the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is God Himself. So many people think of the Holy Spirit as like an it or a magical mist that sort of just wafts in, you know, when the magical man or woman of God gets up and does what they do. No, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete is a person with a personality. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Holy Spirit has emotion. The Holy Spirit is a person that you can have intimate relationship with. The Bible says different terms for the Holy Spirit. He's the counsellor. He's the comforter. He's your teacher. And of all the terms uh, that, that we could hear from Jesus, He says that the Holy Spirit is the helper. Now, nearly everything that was said of Jesus is also said of the Holy Spirit. So the helper, the Holy Spirit, is the abiding presence of Jesus that is now currently in the earth. You've got to understand that within the Godhead, there's Father, Son and Holy Spirit. The Godhead is in perfect covenant with each other. And their role is not just to minister to you, it's to reveal every other member of the Trinity to you and I. There is this perfect intimacy, perfect union, perfect covenant where the Father points us to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. What does the Father say at Jesus' baptism? Behold, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. The Father points out Jesus to us. Then in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, the Father says, I will pour out my Spirit. Whose Spirit is it? The Father, God's Spirit. I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. So the Father points us to Jesus and the Father points us to the Holy Spirit. Jesus points us to the Father. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. And then Jesus points to the Holy Spirit. I will send you the Helper, the Spirit of Truth, who will guide you into all truth. And then Jesus talks to us about who the Holy Spirit points us to. The Holy Spirit points us back to Jesus and back to the Father. And so the Godhead, the Trinity, reveals all aspects, all points to each other so that when you and I have a relationship with God, we have a relationship with the fullness of Father, Son and Holy Spirit in our lives. But it's so important you understand that because Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father and the Father is seated at the throne on the throne of glory, the Holy Spirit is the only member of the Godhead that is actually on planet Earth right now. Many people don't think about this, but the Holy Spirit is the most important person on Earth and yet is often the most ignored person on Earth, particularly as it relates to the church. I remember many, many years ago sitting down with a a pastor leading a church and we're talking about Uh, the Holy Spirit and He said, I would love to see the Holy Spirit move more in our church, but it's not our culture. How many of us know there's something wrong with that statement on a whole lot of levels? Number one, it's not your church, it's Jesus' church. And the Holy Spirit, want the Spirit of Jesus, wants His church back, right? 
And so it's not my business. It's not my, you know, uh, incorporated association. It's it's not my organisation. The church, the head of the church is Jesus. Jesus wants His church back. And so you and I don't get the right to dictate what should take place in the church or not. I love how we live in a day and age in the modern church where where you can sort of prescribe and be okay with the various levels of expressions of the Holy Spirit in the church and all justified under, well, you know, it's horses for courses and some people for that and some people for that. But here's the deal. If you want biblical results, you gotta follow biblical patterns. And the other thing that was wrong with that perspective, well, I'd love more of the Holy Spirit in the church, but it's not our culture, is that, well, you're the leader, change the culture. Every single leader in this room, every pastor in this room, every single life group leader needs to ask the question, is the culture of my life group, my ministry and my church dictating to me what we're going to do? Or are we actually shaping the culture of the church to reflect the values of the Kingdom of God and what Jesus came to actually give to us? Why would you refuse assistance from the person Jesus sent to help you? I'll tell you why, self-reliance and control. You know, when my um, youngest child, youngest son, Joshua was uh, really little, he, he would persist in wanting to do everything himself. He's now since graduated and matured and now, you know, is, is open for But in those early years, any parents ever had a child that they just want to do everything themselves? Or have I only got the unspiritual one in the house? Yeah, thank you. So thank you, Sandy. Thank you for your honesty. Come out all you lying spirits, all right? And so... When Joshua was super young, you try and help him and, and, and sort of, you know, throw a little bit of a temper tante and, 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 and he'd want to do it himself until he got so frustrated and so annoyed. He's like, okay, and he'd ask for your help. Immaturity doesn't get a lot of assistance from the, from the helper, from the Holy Spirit, because immaturity enjoys self-reliance and control. Controlling people are immature in the Spirit. You cannot move with the Spirit. You cannot see the new move of God in your life, in your ministry, in your workplace while you're controlling all all the elements on the dashboard of your life. It requires surrender. It requires a total relinquishing of self-reliance. I've learned you only receive help from the Holy Spirit to the level of your, of your dependence upon God. What self-reliance does, it actually blocks you from receiving from the helper. The closer you get to Jesus, the more you need His help. The more conscious, the closer you get to Jesus, the more conscious you become of your sin. Paul started his journey by saying, I am the least of the apostles. Then he started his journey by, you know, saying, I'm the least, they continued, I'm the least of the saints. Then he ended up before his final departure and his death to Timothy saying, I am the chief of sinners. What's happening here? As he grows closer to Jesus, he's growing independence because he truly understands the sinfulness of his own heart apart from Christ. Self-reliance will block the anointing from helping you on your behalf. 
control, will, which is rooted in fear and pride, will block you from receiving help from the Holy Spirit. But I'm praying for a church. I'm praying for a body of Christ. I'm praying for believers that from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to sleep, they're in a conscious dialogue with Holy Spirit. They are God conscious every moment. You won't always feel like it, but I'm telling you there's a place that you can live in God where even when you're laughing, having fun and maybe just mucking around with your friends, there's an awareness, there's a consciousness of the presence of God. There's a sensitivity to the presence of God. The helper is the Holy Spirit and He wants to help you. What did God say to the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 9? He said, my power is made perfect in weakness. Now, you and I in the flesh don't really believe that because we live in a culture that pities weakness that puts down weakness, where everyone is trying to become stronger, greater, better than everybody else. But actually, when it comes to the Kingdom of God and it comes to the anointing of the Spirit of God breaking out in signs and wonders, the weaker you are, the more fruit you're gonna see in your ministry of the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so the Apostle Paul says, I will blow, uh, boast gladly all the more of my weaknesses so that His power can rest upon me. I'm learning it's not my strengths that actually necessarily, or when I feel like ministering or when I feel like I, I, I'm a Christian and feel anointed. It's actually in those moments when I feel weakest that I see the power of God work the greatest in my life. And I believe one of the things, if you feel like God is trying to kill you, it's because He is. <laughs> what did Paul say? I die daily. We're trying to teach everybody in the church how to live and live a full and prosperous life. Now, Jesus said, I've come that you have life and life in all of its fullness. What's the pathway to fullness and abundance? Die to yourself. Get weaker and run into dependence upon God. One of the simple little things that I've been trying to implement every morning when I wake up is literally as I, as I roll out of bed, I'm, it's, I'm not there, but as I roll out of bed, I fall to my knees and I just say, God, I thank You for Your grace for a new day. I go get myself ready, do other things, go have devotions, all that sort of thing. But the first thing I wanna be conscious of and the last thing I wanna be conscious of as I go to sleep is, God, I need Your grace. I need the helper. I need your Holy Spirit in. I want Him to know I'm dependent upon Him. That's why every service, every revival service looks different. Some services, there's prophecy. Other services, there's an outbreak of healing. Other services, it's just yeah, hours of worship. Why? Because it's not about your formula or my formula. It's about Holy Spirit. What do you wanna do today? Where are you moving? Where are you working? I wanna join you in what you're already doing. I wanna join you with where you're already working. If you're sick and tired of not seeing breakthrough and results in your life, maybe start praying about what's on God's heart rather than what's on your heart. 
If I persist in a prayer long enough, and we heard a great message this morning about keep turning up, being persistent. And there are some prayers and there are some things you ought to be persistent on. You ought to lay hold of. But sometimes there are things that the Lord's like, you know what, I'm doing something else in your life right now. That's why you've got to discern with the helper. What's the time? What's the season in my life? What is it that God is asking for? What is it that God is asking me to do? Because apparently to Jesus, the Holy Spirit living inside of you is better than Jesus standing beside you. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit living inside of you is better than Jesus standing beside you. You say, what are you talking about? Well, Jesus said in verse 7, He says this, He says, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. Now, I think like Peter, the Apostle Peter, the disciple Peter, we really struggled to believe Jesus' words. I mean, wouldn't it be better if we had Jesus in the flesh next to us? Do you think it'd be pretty awesome right now if Jesus, well, He is here, His presence is here, but He actually showed up in the flesh. That'd be pretty cool. I mean, we've been singing, you know, show me your face and all I want's Jesus. And what if you woke up one day and Jesus just standing there in the flesh? I'm up for it. Is anybody else up for it? I'm up for it. I'm up for it. Let me tell you, it would scare your socks off and a few other things off. It would scare you. I mean, every person that encountered the angel of the Lord in the Bible ended up on their face, all right? And every person who's had a, a significant encounter with God, be it in the middle of the night, prayer time, older call, and, and I mean, we're literally praying and fasting for weeks and months, they encounter God. It, they all get to a point where they're like, God, I can't take any more of your presence. So be careful what you pray for. But all of us would think, wouldn't it be awesome to be there the day that Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth? Raise him from the dead. Wouldn't it be awesome the day that Jesus went to the pool of Bethesda and said to the, that lame man who'd been there for years and years and years, pick up your mat and walk, and he walked. We'd all want to be there to see those moments. We read the Gospels and we read Jesus' ministry and go, oh, it'd be awesome. But apparently, according to Jesus, it's actually better to be alive after the Holy Spirit, the Helper has been poured out than simply to have Jesus standing next to you in the flesh. When the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, He was limited to one place at one time. But when Jesus and the Father sent the Helper to earth, God not only revealed Himself to be an omniscient God all-knowing, an omnipotent God all-powerful, but an omnipresent God everywhere present through the person of the Holy Spirit on the earth. Joel 2.28, God said, I will pour out my Spirit, not just on prophets, priests and kings, but on all flesh. What did Jesus say in John 14.12? Even greater works than these will you do because I'm going to the Father. The greater works is connected to the presence of the Helper in your life. It's connected to the person of the Holy Spirit in your life. And in a world that is competing to gain advantage over others, everyone is trying to get an advantage in their careers, in their studies, when it comes to, you know, all sorts of sporting achievements. Everyone's trying to get an advantage. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate advantage. You read in the Scriptures when Alamus the magician 
tried to disrupt the early church and the purposes of God, Paul looks at him and confronted his magic, his witchcraft with the helper, the power of the Holy Spirit and said, for a moment, for a season, you are going to be, because you're in the gall of bitterness, you are going to be in, uh, you're going to be blinded. And the Spirit of God confronted the spirit of witchcraft that was at work in Elymas the magician. And that man went blind until he humbled himself and realised who the one true helper and, and, and Spirit of God actually was. By the way, that's New Testament under covenant of grace. I'm just preaching the Bible to you. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is the ultimate advantage. You see, when you're faced with temptation, the Holy Spirit comes and convicts you and causes you and helps you to guard your heart from grieving His heart and living with shame, condemnation and brokenness. When you're faced with lack, the Holy Spirit comes and the helper comes and is your supplier and your provider. When you're facing sickness, the helper comes as your healer. When you're facing weakness, the helper comes as your strength. When you're grieving over the loss of something, the Holy Spirit comes as your comforter. When you're confused, the Holy Spirit comes as your counsellor and your teacher. When you're faced with all sorts of opposition, the help of the Holy Spirit actually comes to help you overcome. You see, the Holy Spirit living inside of you is better than Jesus standing beside you. And Jesus then goes into a really quick short list of how the Holy Spirit specifically helps people. Is this helping anybody? Is the helper helping anybody tonight? How does... The Holy Spirit specifically help you in your life. Firstly, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit convicts you. What does it say in verse 8? The Bible says, when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in Me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see Me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is Judged. Now, I don't have time to unpack that full teaching, but this I know, just as your natural body can be exposed to the rays of sunlight when your heart is convicted by the illumination and the light of the heavenly Son, Jesus, through the person of the Holy Spirit, your sin is exposed not to punish you, but to bring you into a place of life and sanctification in the person of Jesus Christ. To be conformed to the image of His Son. A lot of people see conviction as an inconvenience to a lifestyle of sin. Conviction is not an inconvenience, it's salvation that will save you from a life of destruction. I welcome conviction. And in fact, the closer you get to Jesus and the more that the help of the Holy Spirit works in your life, the more convicted you'll become because you'll be like a, a finely tuned to the things of the Spirit and things that you used to sort of not even blink an eye lead about and you used to tolerate. Now, as you draw closer to the Lord and you be conformed to the image of His Son, now the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, I'm actually calling you deeper today. I'm calling you higher today. 
That was okay for back then because you were ignorant. You didn't know any better, but now you know differently. To whom much has been given, much is required. I remember on my first ministry trip to Singapore, an attractive lady in a restaurant came up to me at the end of that time, the manager of the restaurant said, hey, how'd you like come back to my apartment for some fun? And I'll be honest with you, the immediate thought in my head was, I don't think she means to go back and play a board game, Monopoly or Sony PlayStation. Probably more like Twister, I'm not sure, but I, I think she's got something else in mind. And I'm here today to be able to share a testimony because of the fear of the Lord, the conviction of the Holy Spirit and a picture of my beautiful wife that I could not hurt. The conviction of the Holy Spirit will protect you. And if you ignore that conviction, yes, there's forgiveness and there is grace. But if you ignore that conviction, what happens? Your conscience becomes seared. And you begin to entertain and tolerate things. The Holy Spirit isn't just here to empower you to shake, rattle and roll and have a great time. The Holy Spirit has empowered you to live a holy life and to walk in victory over sin. You are no longer a slave to sin. You're a child of God. You're a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. It's the work of the Holy Spirit, the helper that convicts the world of sin, of the righteousness that is only found in Jesus Christ and of the coming judgment, both the judgment of the Spirit of this world, our adversary, the judgment of sin, but also the judgment that is to come. The Spirit of God, the helper convicts. What else does the Spirit of God do? The Holy Spirit guides you into all truth. You never have to be confused about God again because the Holy Spirit's role is to lead you into the way, the truth and the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus is called the help. Uh, Jesus called the helper, the spirit of truth, who will bear witness to and about the truth. You need to understand that the Godhead points to each other, but he's also submitted to each other. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will not speak on his own authority, but the Holy Spirit can only speak truth. It's the Spirit of truth that proceeds from the Father. 1 John 2, 27 says, The anointing that abides in you teaches you about everything and is true. There is no lie or falsehood in the anointing. What's the anointing? It's the person and power of the Holy Spirit. It's not just the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the person of the Holy Spirit. It's both and. The anointing isn't a magical mist. The anointing isn't a, you know, a smell that wafts in through the air vents. The anointing is the person and power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life, the helper that empowers you and moves through your life. And, and as you minister to people, uh, brings to remembrance the things that you've studied in God's Word, guides you into all truth. When you sense or hear error, that voice of the Spirit, that voice of revelation actually empowers you and equips you to actually say no to the falsehood and to the error and say yes to the truth. It can only ever be three voices speaking to you at any one time. Now, if a psychiatrist was preaching tonight, they'd probably say, if you're hearing any voices, book an appointment with me. But there can only be three voices, biblically speaking to you at any one time. The first voice is the voice of the demonic. It's characterised by lies. 
Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. And a lot of people live their life by lies, the lie of fear. The lie of performance where they feel like they've got to earn their way and perform their way to, to find significance. Now your significance is found that you've been made in the image and likeness of God. Your significance is found in that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. So that whosoever would believe in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. A lot of people buy into the voice of the demonic where they think that their even Christian life is based upon their works. That's the voice of the enemy. A works mentality, a works of the flesh is based upon lie. And so it takes some discernment to know that. But when the enemy comes to sow seeds in your life of lies, Satan's known as the father of lies, you need to understand his whole agenda is to take something from you. The second voice is the easiest voice to discern. It's the voice of the flesh. It's the voice you heard when you woke up this morning and said, go back to sleep and don't go to church today. When you're with the Krispy Kreme donut, one more donut won't hurt. Anybody heard that voice of laziness? The voice of the flesh. It's like you don't need to give into the offering today. You've got a, a number of bills at home. You've already given in the past. It's all good. The voice of the flesh, it's lazy. It's lazy. It's easy to discern. The voice of the Spirit, the Helper, is characterised by life. Even when the help of the Holy Spirit convicts you and corrects you is to produce the fruit of life in you. It's not to punish you. The discipline of God is not punishment. The discipline and correction of God is to lead you into greater fruitfulness. So, so when the Holy Spirit says, no, shouldn't do that. The Holy Spirit says, hey, I want you to surrender that job, take a step of faith and I want you to go to Numa School of the Spirit. I'm being serious. I'm being serious, I'm not mucking around. I heard the Holy Spirit say, leave the police force 22, 23 years ago and go study at Bible college and be an intern. I would not be doing what I'm doing today if I hadn't heard that voice. I hear a lot of people say, I, I feel called to the ministry. I want to get on the ministry. I, I, I want to you know, do this and do that. And I go, well, are you obeying the last thing God told you to do? Oh, I want a great business and I want my business to be a blessing for the Kingdom of God. And, and yet they don't want to build their business according to biblical principles. Is it okay if we preach truth? Have you obeyed the last thing God told you to do? Because the role of the Holy Spirit is to guide you into all truth. The truth of the revelation of God's Word, but also the truth of who Jesus is. And the truth, it's only as you know the truth, the truth sets you free. So the more that you are guided into all truth and you let the Holy Spirit lead you, the more that you come into a place of liberty and freedom. When the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will reveal the future to you. What does He say? He says He's going to declare to you, prophesy to you the things that are to come. You never have to be confused about what may be coming in your future because you have a prophet living inside of you. 
You have the helper. You may not know the whole plan. You may not get all the whole blueprint, but you've got to understand one of the fundamental roles of the Holy Spirit is to declare and prophesy what is to come. What is prophecy? Prophecy is a divinely inspired utterance that reveals God's heart, mind and intention. And not only does the Holy Spirit quicken and and declare what is to come in big corporate cosmic events that affect the earth, but the Holy Spirit is intimate, personal. The Holy Spirit wants to speak into your life. And one of the things that we cultivate and we value and we build into the culture of the church is a healthy understanding of how to prophesy and how to steward the prophetic Word. It's one of the things that we're committed to in the fivefold ministry and ascension gifts in the church. And we have prophetic training and prophetic classes, masterclasses and workshops. And, and what we're trying to do at Numa School of the Spirit is to raise up a people. By the way, you don't have to be called to be a prophet to prophesy. You can actually learn as a believer, as a witness of Jesus, what it means to be a prophetic encouragement into other people's lives. I praise God for prophecy. My whole life and ministry in my adult life has been shaped by stewarding words of prophecy. I spent years every day journaling, learning to discern God's voice for my own life before I went and delivered His Word for other people's lives. One of the best things to learn how to prophesy over others is learn how to prophesy over yourself. Be careful with it, but there's something about it where I literally have filled up over 35 moleskin journals over the last 22 years of encounter after word, after prophecy, after prayer, after lamentation, after journal, after prophecy, after word of knowledge, after, and I meditate upon that. I write them down. I pray over it. Paul said, wage a good warfare over the prophecies previously made about you. We are doing what we're doing here in this role today because of a prophetic word. We transitioned out of our church. Did I say something funny, did I? We transitioned out of our church when we planted it based upon a prophetic word. We let it all go. God took us around the world based upon a prophetic word. I want to tell you, you've got a helper. Five people are excited about that. You've got a helper. You've got a helper. Are you accessing your help? Are you tuning in to your assistant? Are you submitting to his lordship? You've got a helper. And not only does the Holy Spirit declare what is to come, but the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus in you. And just for the last few moments, I want you to really listen in to what I'm about to say, because if you don't remember anything else, this is critical and imperative that you understand one of the fundamental roles of the Holy Spirit in your life. What did Jesus say in verse 14? He said, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will glorify me, for He will take what is mine and declare it to you. I want to tell you today, the Holy Spirit's favourite subject is Jesus. Do you know, every single time I ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want to speak about to your people tomorrow or next week or in this next session? He always says, Jesus. 
That's why our preaching, our teaching, our training, our worship songs must never get away from the person of Jesus. I remember one time we planted our church and we're preaching about Jesus, singing about Jesus. I had a dude come up and says, all you guys talk about around here is Jesus. I'm like, is there anything else to talk about? Is there anything else? The Holy Spirit's favourite subject is Jesus. You know, of all the healthy churches I've visited and ministered at, the overwhelming theme of that church is exalting Jesus. Churches that are toxic, churches that are unhealthy, churches that have got challenges and issues, they get their focus off of Jesus. They get it onto personalities. They get it onto issues in the church. They get it onto ministry. Don't be more in love. Those of you who are called to ministry, we're all called, but in the local church, don't be more in love with ministry than you are with Jesus. What did Jesus say in Matthew 12, 34? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, our words reveal the content of our hearts. Someone who's always talking about money, let me tell you, money's inside their heart. Someone who's always talking about their career or politics or sport or music or themselves. Ever met someone and all they do is talk about themselves? Drives you insane. What does the Bible say? Look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And so if people leave your presence more impressed with you than they do with Jesus, you need more of the Holy Spirit in your life. My prayer is what I want, what I desire more than anything else is that when people leave my presence, when people leave this service tonight, when people leave any ministry that we do in the church, I'd be so impressed with who Jesus is. They'd be so captivated and caught up with who Jesus is. Why is the Holy Spirit so crazy about Jesus? Because the Holy Spirit knows you can only be reconciled to the Father through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so the Holy Spirit keeps pointing us to Jesus because He knows Jesus is the gateway. Jesus is the doorway. Jesus is the one we lift up. Jesus is the one we exalt. And so when we see Jesus, we see the Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, John chapter 14, 9, you've seen the Father. And as the Holy Spirit gives us a brilliant picture of Jesus, we behold Him until we become more like Him. I tell people, you, you, you wanna know what it is to be a, 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 a Christian, what it is to be a believer? Just stare at Jesus long enough, you'll figure it out. Can I hear a good amen? Just stare at Jesus. Stare at Jesus. You say, what does that mean? You open up your Bible and you just read and you stare and you behold. Whatever you behold, you become. How many of us know that in these hours of being in the presence of Jesus in worship, Something changes in you. I feel different these last 10 weeks. The more immersed I am in His presence, the more I want more of His presence. We've had services that have gone for 12 hours. Most churches don't 
You know, people complain if church goes for an hour. And services go for three, four hours. We're not trying to deliberately extend the services, but there's a hunger, there's a thirst, there's an appetite. What you behold, you become. I want to tell you, we've had so many hours of Netflix and so many hours of Spotify and iTunes and so many hours of media and internet and Google and entertainment. You need hours in the presence of Jesus. You need it. 10 minute little devotional thoughts not gonna sustain you when Lucifer comes knocking on your door. It's not gonna sustain you. You need to have more than a cute little devotional time with Jesus. Let's have a quiet time with Jesus. Let's have a quiet time. Sounds like, you know, like, you know, time out for kids. Let's have a quiet time. No. Sometimes time with Jesus is allowed time. Well, you've got to warfare. And, and it's not that devils can't, you know, only hear you if you, 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 your decibels and your voice is higher. But the reality is sometimes you need to express some things. And you actually need to, to, to get a bit zealous and stirred up in your spirit. And sometimes quiet time needs to be loud time. And other times it just needs to be sitting in silence and just soaking in His presence. Other times it's worship music. Other times it's reading through the Bible in 90 days. Other times it's just focusing on one chapter for the whole month. And every day go back to that chapter and write down, what do I see in this chapter? What am I doing? I'm I'm, I'm teaching you how to behold. I'm teaching you how to stare at His face. Whatever you behold, you become. What, what, What... is taking most of your attention right now in your life? Is it an issue at work? Is it a relationship? Are you so fixated upon that special someone you've lost sight of the only one? Well, that was a word for someone in this room. Are you so fixated on trying to get a platform in ministry you've forgotten about ministering to the Lord of the platform? Do you see how easy it is? The, the, the greatest obstacle and challenge to the great things of God are the good things that we allow to take first place and priority in our lives. But Jesus said, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these other things, practical etc. will be added to you. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. 
I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life. And I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.